0: take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 26, please, Acts chapter 26, I want to direct your attention to one verse to get us going this afternoon, and don't plan to be long here this afternoon, but I do want to encourage you with something, and encourage you in your personal responsibility and personal witness for Jesus Christ. Acts 26 and verse 16. These are Jesus' words to the Apostle Paul in context here, and we'll go back through it in just a second, but Paul is giving his personal testimony here, and he's telling of what the Lord has did in his life, and he says in verse 16, "...but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Paul testifies that the Lord appeared to him for this purpose, to make him a minister and a witness of the things that he had seen and heard and the things that the Lord would show him later on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts and challenge us as well with this, these thoughts here this afternoon, though they may be brief. Lord, I pray that Your Word would effectually work in us that believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In chapter, chapter 25, the Apostle Paul is standing before a man named Felix. And Paul preaches to Felix concerning righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. In that context, Paul also gives some testimony of his own life and what God did for him. And the Bible says that because of Paul's preaching to Felix, the Bible says that Felix trembled. He was under conviction over the things that Paul preached, but Felix ended up sending him away for a more convenient time, a more convenient season. When you get into chapter 26, we see the Apostle Paul standing before a man named Festus and King Agrippa. And when King Agrippa had come to Caesarea to salute Festus, who was the new governor, Festus was telling Agrippa about this man named Paul, who was a prisoner, and how charges had been brought against him, but those charges had not been proven, and how he had appealed to Caesar because of that. And so Festus was in this situation that he actually was appreciative of Agrippa coming, because it would kind of help him out in the political situation that he found himself in. That's the context. What I want to do is actually read all of chapter 26, so that you can read it for yourself, and you get the idea, you get the story. So there's there's quite a bit of reading here, but just follow along as I read through it, and then we'll we'll talk about some more uh, principles here. So let's start in verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straitest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews? Why should it be thought a a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And, And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. "...to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles." And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest." Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with him. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doth nothing worthy of death or of bonds." Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. So you get the picture here that Paul was standing before Festus. He's standing before Agrippa. Agrippa had come to Caesarea to salute the noble Festus, who was the new governor. Festus had told Agrippa of this story about Paul, this prisoner how these charges were brought against him, but these charges had not been proven and how he had appealed to Caesar. And the Bible tells us that Agrippa said to Paul that he was able to speak for himself. He was able to be a witness for himself. Now Festus was pleased that Agrippa was there to hear Paul in the hopes that he would help him out of this unreasonable situation of sending a prisoner on to Rome without being able to specify any charges or crimes that were against him. Go back to chapter 25. I'll show you what I'm talking about. In chapter 25 and verse 26, um, let's see, verse 25. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and specially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have somewhat to write. So Festus was in this spot. Like, it's unreasonable to send a prisoner all the way to Rome, but not be able to specify what the charges are. And so Festus was glad that Agrippa was there to hear him, because then maybe he could shed some light or give him some direction here. And so what we find is that Paul was permitted to speak for himself regarding these charges. And what we find is that the defense that Paul gave for himself was actually the testimony of his own conversion. That was the defense that Paul gave for himself. And let me just say this as a side note before we get into this. A personal testimony of what the Lord has done in a person's life is a powerful, powerful tool that God can use to work in someone else's life to bring them to a place of repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Your own personal testimony is a powerful, testimony of conversion is a powerful tool that God can use. And the reason why it's such a, a powerful tool is, number one, people can't argue with it. Paul talks about this in his testimony. He says, the, when I grew up, the people who knew me, they knew uh, how I grew up in the Jews' religion and how zealous I was against Jesus Christ. And now I'm standing here defending myself for the very thing that I used to persecute. There was a before and an after in Paul's life. People couldn't argue with the change that happened in Paul's life. I remember when I, when I was saved, I was saved at 19 years old, you know that. But I remember coming in contact with old friends from high school after I was saved and my life was different and my life was changed and my desires and my thinking and my spirit and everything about me was different because I've been saved, converted, And coming into contact with old friends from high school who said to me, you're not the same person that I remember from high school. And I said to them, you know what, I'm not the same person, and let me tell you why I'm not the same person. Real change happens in a person's life when they're converted to Christ. People notice it. No one can argue with that. It becomes a powerful tool Secondly, it adds power to the example of the Scriptures. In other words, a changed life verifies that the message is true. The message of salvation is true, that God will change your life. Your life verifies it. It adds power to the example of Scripture. And Paul's own testimony that he's given here affected Festus so much so that Festus thought that Paul had lost his mind with much learning. But Paul said, no, I'm not mad. I'm speaking the truth of what the Lord has done. Even Paul's testimony so powerfully touched the conscience of Agrippa that Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And so Paul's testimony was a powerful thing here. And I want us to... Look at Paul's testimony recorded in this passage this afternoon. And I want us to see some revealing characteristics of a true Christian and see Paul as a witness for Jesus Christ and make some applications for us as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask the Lord again for your help. Lord, the Spirit of God to give understanding and Lord, for the Spirit to apply the truth of your word in our life today. Lord, I ask for your help personally to preach it. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing that I want you to notice here, again, this is Paul's testimony, but I want you to notice that Paul told everybody that he was a changed man. Paul was a changed man. In verse 9, he says here, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them that journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. And Paul goes on to talk about his commission from the Lord. And then he says in verse 19, I, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having obtained, therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Notice that Paul says here that he was a changed man. At one point, he did many things contrary to the name of Jesus, but now he's a bond slave To witness of the things that he has seen and heard. And he says, I continue in that to this very day. The change in the Apostle Paul's life was radical and it was complete. It wasn't a partial change, it wasn't some reformation of some things. He was a brand new creature, a different person. And it wasn't of the will of the flesh. It wasn't of the will of man, it was of the will of God. He was born anew, he was made different. Notice what he says, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look in verse 11. 1 Timothy 1:11, according to the glorious gospel, "...of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, that and that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus." This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Notice what Paul says here, and note the contrast that he indicates in his life, the before and the after. He says, I used to be blasphemous. I used to be a persecutor. I used to be injurious. This was my life, but I obtained mercy from the Lord. Grace, the grace of God was exceeding abundant in my life. And and he testifies that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Notice the contrast, the before and the after. In Paul's life because of conversion because of salvation he was a changed man and let me just make this application here this afternoon there's nobody who's always been a Christian there's a point in time when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation it's a it's a spiritual birth It's called the new birth. And the truth is that nobody can be a Christian without being born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again. Nobody can be a Christian without being born again. You know what it means to be born again? It means to be made new. A new nature is needed before we can enjoy true fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the application is this. Examine your own heart this afternoon. Examine your life. Can you identify a before and an after? Is there a change? Because a true Christian, for a true Christian, there will be identifiable change. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it with more force and emphasis. For a true Christian, there will be identifiable change. We say, well, Pastor, I got saved when I was young. I mean, I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't have all these sins in my life that were just visible to people. Honestly, it doesn't really matter your personal situation and how you grew up. It doesn't really matter the environment that you grew up in. When you come to know Jesus Christ, listen, listen, we come into the world born sinners with a sin nature. We sin because of our nature. We, we lie because of our nature. We, we deceive because of our nature. We cheat, we steal because of our nature. That's who we are. When, we're, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and repentance toward God, we're born again. We're made new with a brand new nature that's created in Christ Jesus. There will be a difference between what you were and what you are now but I don't, I don't have the, all these sins. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's going to be an identifiable change in your attitude. There's going to be a, an identifiable change in the way that you respond to correction. Instead of in pride and self-righteousness, there's a humility that's created in us when we receive correction, not only from people who are our know, uh, elders in life or correction from the Lord. There will be an identifiable change no matter what. Because how can there not be if there's deity that now resides inside? Paul said, I was a different person. And I challenge you, look at your life. Can you identify a before and an after? Because there will be identifiable change. If you can identify a who you were before and a who you are now, praise the Lord. Be like the Apostle Paul and say, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ that His grace was exceeding abundant in my life in love through Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord that He came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm saying if you know that you're saved, then thank the Lord and praise the Lord for making you brand new. Amen? Amen? Can you say that? Do you know that? Paul says, first of all, I was a changed man. But then secondly, I want you to notice that Paul says that he was an empowered and an obedient man. Go to verse 17 of our text, Acts 26. Paul says here that as as he's testifying of of his own life and how Jesus appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him in verse 16 for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness for me and the things that I'm going to show you. Later on. And then he says, Jesus said this to him, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Here we find that Paul testifies that he was an empowered man and he was an obedient man. First of all, he was empowered by Jesus Christ. We look in verse 17 and we find that Jesus said that he would deliver Paul, Saul, at the time from the people and from the Gentiles. And then, not only that, but he was going to send them to those people to preach the gospel. To do what in verse 18? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. He was empowered by Jesus Christ. Jesus delivered him through many different things that Paul experienced in his earthly life. Jesus empowered him then to be a witness unto those people, to open their eyes, to open the sin-blinded eyes of men and turn them from the power of Satan to God. He was equipped and empowered by the Lord to do the thing that the Lord told him to do. Amen. And let me say this. The Lord never sends us forward and leaves us to our own abilities or power to do the thing that he's told us to do. There's not listen, friend. What is it that the Lord's told you to do? As a member of Plack Road Baptist Church, the Lord has told you that it's your job and, and part of your service to Him and the purpose for which you exist to give the gospel to a lost and a dying world. We would all say that we know as members of Plack Road Baptist Church, we embrace and understand that it's our responsibility to be a witness for Jesus Christ. No one would argue that. The question is, are you? The question is, do you? The question is, do you embrace and are you obedient to the command of the Lord? But I'm going to tell you, because there's some people say, well, you know, um, I just don't know very much. And I just don't know if, if, if I'm just not that kind of a person. And I, I just don't know if I'm qualified. And, and they make up all kinds of reasons, which are actually excuses for not being obedient to what the Lord said to do. And most of the time, it's I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't. When in reality, the Lord never leaves us to our own power to do the thing that He's told us to do. We can be empowered by the Lord, even to be obedient. And so what I'm saying is there's not a co-worker, there's not a family member, there's not a friend that you have that the Lord wants you to witness to, that He is not ready to enable you to do the thing that He wants you to do. All He needs is for you to trust Him and to be obedient to Him. Maybe it's a call of God on your life. And again, there might be excuses. Well, I'm not qualified, or I'm too old, I don't know enough. And all of these are excuses for not being obedient. And Paul said here in his testimony that Jesus Christ appeared to me for this purpose, to be a witness for him uh, 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 of the things that I've heard and the things that I've seen and also of the things that he's going to reveal to me. And Jesus delivered me from those who would do harm. And Jesus empowered me to do the thing that he told me to do. So we find that he was empowered of the Lord. But we also find that he was obedient then to the Lord. Because in verse 19, he says, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but I went and did the thing that Jesus said to do. Paul was not disobedient to the will of his master. He settled the matter with the Lord himself as to what he was supposed to do. We read this chapter, Galatians chapter 1, in our Wednesday night series through the book of Galatians. Go there and let's see again what what Paul says concerning the call of God on his life. In Galatians chapter 1, he says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals, in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father's. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw in none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Notice what Paul states here. The gospel I've been preaching, I didn't receive it of men. It came by revelation of Jesus Christ. And he said, You know my history, my before, how I profited in the Jews' religion and was zealous. But when God saved me and thought it good to reveal His Son in me, and He changed my life, the reason He did that was that I might preach Him among the heathen. And immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He had completely surrendered His will to the Lord And he didn't dishonor the Lord by immediately conferring with flesh and blood. No, he immediately obeyed what he knew at the moment he was supposed to do. Now, here's a question. Did he know what it all would entail? What his call would entail? Did he know everything that was going to befall him or that he would walk through? No, he didn't know that. In fact, he said to Agrippa, he said, the Lord revealed that it was my purpose to be a witness for him, to to speak of the things I had seen and heard and the things that he would show me later on. What does it imply? He didn't know all the, the end from the beginning. All he knew was what he was supposed to do right now. Does that make sense? Now, I remember when the Lord called me to preach. I remember very well. At the time, I didn't know what the Lord had in store when He called me. I mean, it was many, many years from the time that I surrendered to the Lord to preach before I became a pastor. In fact, it was 17 or 18 years from the time that I surrendered to preach to the time I became a pastor, I didn't know all that was going to be in the middle of that. All I knew was that the Lord had called me. All I knew was that I needed to be obedient to the Lord. When the Lord called me to preach, I had been newly saved, probably for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And at the time, I was in Mexico with my grandfather, who was a missionary. And I went and spent the summer with him. And he would take missions trips or take groups that would come down to visit. He would take them into Mexico for, you know, five days or whatever it was. And, and there was a mission trip for them. And they would preach the gospel and, uh, in these villages. And they would hand out literature. And they would do all kinds of things. And that's what I did with him all summer long. And I remember this. I remember that any time there was preaching, any time there was preaching, on serving the Lord and giving your life to the Lord. I remember feeling such conviction in my soul, almost like the same kind of conviction I felt when God was calling me to salvation. And it was somewhat confusing at the time because I know that I'm saved. What in the world am I sensing? What in the world am I feeling? And I was bothered by it. And I was tormented by it. And I went and talked to my grandpa about it. And he said, could it be that the Lord is trying to call you? To serve him? And I said, well, <laughs> I didn't want to admit that. That that could be what it was. And so my grandfather and I, we, we, we decided, let's, let's pray for a couple of weeks. Let's just take some time and pray on this. And, and you make sure your heart is surrendered to the Lord. And we did. And two more weeks went by, and there was another trip. And any time there was preaching... On serving the Lord is just so compelling in my soul. And I knew that God was saying something to me, that the purpose for my life was to serve Him. And I had to come to a place of real surrender to the Lord. Okay, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do that but I know the Lord's calling me to preach. And I remember I went home some time after that, and I told my pastor what the Lord was doing in my life. and He gave me some advice, gave me some instruction, some direction. I'm 20 years old maybe at the time. Maybe 21, I don't remember exactly, but it was right there. And what I'm saying is I didn't know for sure exactly what direction the Lord was going to have me go. In fact, at the time, I thought, well, maybe the Lord wants me to be a missionary in Mexico because that's where I was when the Lord called me and I was serving the Lord there. I thought maybe that was the Lord's will and in time... The Lord began to do more things and to show me different things, but I still didn't know for sure. The only thing I knew for sure was that the Lord had called me to preach the gospel somehow. Well, I went home and started in the Bible Institute and serving in my local church. And it was seven and a half years from the time that the Lord called me to preach Until the Lord opened up the door and allowed me to serve in full-time ministry on staff at church. It was seven and a half years of growing and serving and and learning of the Lord before the Lord put me in a place of full-time ministry. It was another nine and a half or ten years after that before the Lord made known that I was supposed to come to Alaska. Eighteen years From the time I surrendered to preach to the time that I took the pastorate. Friend, that was nine and a half almost ten years ago now. I can't believe it's going to be ten years come June. It goes by so fast. The point that I'm making here is that from the time I surrendered to the Lord in Mexico to the time that I entered full-time ministry even as a pastor, more than... Almost 20 years had passed, and that was 10 years ago. All that the Lord instructed in, all that the Lord allowed to happen in between, was all for His purposes. And the point is this we don't need to have it all figured out or planned out, the Lord has that under control. And the Lord will enable in his time what he needs and what he wants is simply for us to be obedient to what we know right now. I'm going to ask you to not fall asleep. I'm going to ask you to try to engage with me here. I know it gets long on Sundays, but this is important. This is truth from God's Word. The Lord wants to use your life. Listen, the tendency for us is to confer with self first. When the Lord is speaking, maybe the Lord wants you to witness to somebody. Maybe that's something that God has for you right now, but you're avoiding it, or you're trying to plan it out for the best time that I can work up the nerve to be a witness to them. Maybe the Lord's calling you to serve Him in ministry. What He wants from you is obedience to what you know. He's going to enable and empower you according to His will for tomorrow. Are you obedient? Who is it that the Lord would have you be a witness to that you're not being obedient to Him in? Well, just remember, Paul said he was empowered to do the thing that God told him to do. The Lord will do the same for you. Will you obey Him? Thirdly and lastly, and I'll be quick with this, look at verse 22. Go back to our text. I think I've lost some of you. It's overtaken you. I had a good time talking with Brother McDowell at the men's conference that I was preaching at that his church was hosting. and That subject came up, by the way. We were talking about our our Jamaica trip. And I was telling Brother Freiman about the whole trip, and Brother McDowell and I were laughing about not letting it overtake you. And Brother Freiman's like, what are you laughing at? What are you talking about? So I had to tell him the story. But I couldn't use all of the words that you would normally use. And I don't know if you, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Others of you do remember. But you remember when I came back from Jamaica and I told you what the Jamaicans call it when when you fall asleep in church? You Remember that? So I was telling Brother Fryman that. He got really offended. Like, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. They made it up, okay? Just telling you what it is. (laughs) I think it's overtaken some of you. Look at verse 22. Here's the last thing. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come. The third thing is that Paul testifies that he was a divinely helped man. He said, I obtained help from God. Paul in his life, he was persecuted. He says that often he was cast down, but not destroyed. He said that he experienced trouble and trial, even beyond measure at times, plus the overwhelming and ever-burden of caring for the churches of God. Paul tells of his life and the burdens that he faced, but he also tells of the fact that he experienced the promise of God that God would never leave him nor forsake him. And I'm simply saying this, and I'll just close it and wrap it up for the sake of time. Every faithful servant of the Lord is going to be able, at the close of his life, he should be able, at the close of his life, to bless the Lord and to honor the Lord's name, saying, the Lord helped me in my life. I've lived this Christian life. I believed these promises were true. I actually walked them and lived them and believed them. And I can testify to you that throughout my life, the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has helped me. And to be able to give honor and praise unto the Lord for His faithfulness. Paul says, I received help from the Lord. And I continue this day because of help from the Lord. I can't serve the Lord on my own. But I know what He's called me to do. And I want to be obedient to Him. But I know that the only way I can be is if He helps me. But you know what? We can claim that promise. That He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so when you're faced with, listen, your job to be a witness for Jesus Christ and the flesh gets in the way and you want to make excuses and you want to pass it off and you want to you know, make reasons why it's not a good thing, remember, remember, the Lord's called you. The Lord's given you a job. But the Lord is going to enable you and help you if you obey. That's the job of Plack Road Baptist Church. I want to encourage you with that again today. Let me, tell, let me just share one quick thing with you and I'll be done. Something that's been really burdening burdening my heart as of late. Who is coming behind? Who's going to fill in the gaps? Who is there that's going to follow? I was telling Pastor Humphrey just the other day. I'm praying about his replacement. Not because he needs to be replaced, but he's not going to live forever. But in context of that, I'm praying about my own. Who's going to come behind me? Ten years has gone by so fast. The next ten is going to go by fast too. God needs people who are obedient, who are willing. You need to pray with me about that. That God would call men to preach. That God would raise up servants. You need to pray with me about that. Are you willing to do whatever the Lord have you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just use these truths to encourage our heart. We can get so complacent and we can get so caught up in the temporal things of life that we think our purpose of life is to live to bring happiness to ourselves and hopefully have a good retirement and try to find as much enjoyment as life in life as possible when in reality that has nothing to do with the purpose of our existence and may we like the apostle paul say for me to live is Christ for me to live means that i am a servant of the lord father may we have those same kind of committed christians the members of Plack Road Baptist Church, that we would see the purpose of our existence is to glorify the Lord, to finish the work that He's given us to do, but to realize it's not about us or our own strength, but that you'll empower and you'll enable. We just need to be obedient. May we be so committed. Father, would you raise up men, genuine God-called men, into ministry to come behind to faithfully serve the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that You'd lay it at our doorstep or that You'd weigh it heavy on our own hearts and minds. That it would cause us to cry out and pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. And then, Lord, to be willing to be a laborer ourselves. Father, I pray that you'd weigh it heavy on our hearts, those that are around us, in our neighborhoods, co-workers, family. Father, that we would give them the answer, answers to life, the answers to their existence, and Lord, the hope that they can have of eternal life through Jesus Christ. May we not fail. and May we never lose sight of our purpose and our mission. Lord, we love you that you don't leave us to our own charges, but Lord, that you empower and enable us to do the very thing that you've commanded us to do and help us to trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen.